When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today we're going to be continuing our series of FPL scout reports where we look at new players coming to the Premier League, some players who have changed one Premier League club for another or in some instances new managers as well and it is the middle of those three categories that we are going to operate today because we are going to have a look at one Mason Mount who has joined Man United for an initial fee of 55 million. It's one of the biggest transfer stories of the summer and of course course he's already made his debut for the Red Devils and many people are wondering whether he's going to be worth signing for FPL but more importantly they're wondering whether or not there's going to be an impact on Bruno Fernandes who has come down in price this year there's a lot of interest in him he can make a 0.5 saving on Rashford so you've got Rashford at 9 million Fernandes at 8.5 Mounts at 7 and so what we're going to do today is we're going to have a look at what we think is going to happen for these two players, in particular Mount and Fernandez at United. Have a look at what Mount has done in the past, assess whether or not he can be useful as an FPL asset this season, and of course work out whether or not his role in the team is going to damage Bruno's output from a fantasy perspective. So lots of questions here, and there's also lots of really interesting numbers to help us assess that, uh, which is just another good opportunity for me to remind you guys that if you haven't already signed up for your Fantasy Football Scout membership for the new season, then now is the best time to do it. You can save up to 30% with those pre-season prices, and one of the many things you're going to get access to is the members area where you've got just an array of tools and tables, stats, all sorts of stuff. Uh, to help you answer your own questions. Uh, we've got heat maps, touch maps, uh, we've got shop maps, absolutely everything you need perhaps to answer some of the questions that I've been going through in these videos. And as I keep saying, if you're fed up of listening to me answer the questions, just sort your membership out and you can go to the members area and you can answer those questions without my help, which is just better for everybody, right? So yeah, make sure you get sorted with that. And of course, it also includes uh, access to the preseason minute spreadsheet for the preseason, which is a very useful tool for working out who are the preferred players going into the new season, season points projections, team transfer planners, and drafts and the best fantasy managers, including some previous winners. So with that, let's jump into the story of Mason Mount and what it means for managers uh, this year. And just one final plug, actually. This comes from a very fantastic article written by Mark in the editorial department. Uh, him, alongside uh, Neil and Tom, have been doing some great content uh, this uh, this season. So make sure you give their articles a read as well if you want more details. So thank you very much, uh, Mark, for that. Uh, it forms the basis of uh, a lot of the research that we've 
we've got here. And so, yeah, Mason Mount. I mean, many of us know the story of Mason Mount uh, quite well. But, of course, you know, the most recent season that he's had has very much pushed him to the periphery of, of fantasy football. But when I, I was going over what he'd done in the past, it just reminded me there was a time when this man did command a place in fantasy squads because he's always been very good value because he's never really been priced uh you know above sort of like 8 million 8.5 that sort of thing always been a very good mid-price midfielder and uh you know in that situation he, he can offer some value and has offered value in the past and so could he do it again at Man United that is the question well let's have a jump back and uh, remind ourselves of what he is capable of so yeah it was uh, 2019 it was that Chelsea uh, got rid of Eden Hazard uh, to Real Madrid and they weren't able to sign a replacement because they had that transfer embargo and so it's quite quite an incredible story really because he had Lampard coming in uh, as the club legend um, as the new manager it was a different approach for them managerially because normally Chelsea cycle through big names um, and so he had a bit of a a meteoric rise in terms of management from Derby to Chelsea and he brought along with him Mason Mount who was of course already um, in and around Chelsea but um, had had a good season at Derby as well he was just 20 years old and he was very much uh, used as the closest possible replacement you could have to some sort of creative player in the squad having lost that playmaker in Hazard Um, he'd been in the Chelsea Academy since 2005 Um, he got nine goals when he was out on loan with Vitas Arnhem um, was in the Eredivisie team of the year which actually is going to become relevant a little bit later because Eric Ten Hag was very aware of that of course operating in Holland at the time Um, nine goals for Derby as well when he was there as well and so the view was he's 20 it doesn't matter he's ready to go and he hit the ground running he basically just dropped straight into that Chelsea team and uh, didn't look like someone who'd been playing uh, you know, EFL football and Eredivisie football up until that point. And so, yeah, what we've got on the screen right now is uh, his uh, FPL history, which began in 2019-20, his first campaign, 32 starts, seven goals, six assists, 137 points, went even better the next season, 2020-21, uh, 32 starts, six goals, seven assists, 147 points, his best ever season, 21-22, 27 starts, so actually fewer starts than the previous campaign, but 11 goals, 11 assists, double figures for both, and 169 points. And so... Yeah, in- incredible uh, FPL uh, pedigree there. 169 points in the 21-22 season was his best campaign. Um, and just sort of, you know, summing it up broadly, you know, so that's 13 attacking returns in both 1920 and 2021 season. Uh, that season ended with him getting an assist for Kai Havertz's goal in the Champions League final. Um you know, these are pretty impressive uh, feats. Uh, and then the following year, as we said, was one of his best. And interestingly enough, he was one of only seven FPL players in the 21-22 season to get double digits for both goals and assists. He peaked at 2.6 million um, owners um, at, in that campaign, got a hat-trick in game week nine against Norwich. He got an assist in that game because it was a 7-0 win, got 24 points, 19 points against Southampton in game week 32. So this guy was doing bits. This was a guy who we needed in our teams quite often. Um, and there was never a time where we felt like it was, we were paying too much uh, for him, which was, which was quite nice. Which is, all of that is why 
22-23 was just such a horrendous season for him because, yeah, he'd, he'd gone into that campaign. He'd been voted player of the season twice in a row. Uh, but yeah, just 82 points in 22-23. Um, pelvic injuries um, really didn't help with the campaign. Of course, with three different managers, you know, there wasn't really much clear direction at Chelsea. That didn't help either. He only got more than five FBL points in a match on three occasions last time. Of course, Chelsea finished 12th. And so, yeah, it was just never a point in the campaign where we felt like we needed to have him, which was uh, a big change. And as I said, it's it's weird in a way. I'd forgotten just how important uh, he was to our teams, you know, as much as 18 months ago, just because of just how bad last season is. Can he replicate that at Man United? Possibly. Because we can have a look at some of the mitigating factors as to why last season was so bad for him you know in effect what I think we're going to see in this little section is that this is not a player who is finished in terms of FPL potential he just got caught in the perfect storm at Chelsea like many other players you know Raheem Sterling was another with good FPL pedigree went to Chelsea had a bad campaign for example many other players just had a really bad season there because of lots of different factors impacting on Chelsea's campaign and so what we've got on the screen now and this is more uh, from the FPL uh, from the Fantasy Football Scout members area now rather than just FPL points uh, we've got some touch heat maps here so you can uh, access these in, in full interactive detail if you've got your membership sorted uh, and uh, some stats about where uh, he was shooting from and where he was touching uh, the ball so we'll start with the touch maps uh, first and it's a progression from right to left of the 2021 campaign the 21-22 campaign and the 22-23 campaign uh, and what you what you see is a massive drop off in penalty box um, involvement and so we'll start with 2020-21 campaign first we you know he was predominantly being used on the left hand side of um, midfield uh, in a three but you know there was lots of involvement on the right hand side but there was just a bit more on the left but crucially there was lots and lots of penalty box entries from both sides um, where he was cutting inside to shoot perhaps or maybe laying it across for somebody else um, in effect heavily involved in the penalty box. Then 21-22 campaign, which of course was his best, um, you can see that basically there's just like a big push of that orange blob on both sides, closer to the penalty box, fewer involvements in his own half. And so then the penalty box entries become even more concentrated, especially on the right-hand side. So this is what's quite interesting, is that in both of those heat maps, 2020-21 and 21-22, he was getting a lot of touches on both sides because he can play on both sides of a, of a, mid, a central midfield uh, situation. Uh, but it was more the right-hand side that he was effective uh, in 21-22. And you can see there's like an angry orange extension from his uh, right-hand side involvement that really just swamps one corner of the, the penalty box. And it's, that's one of the reasons why he was able to uh, you know put up 11 goals, 11 assists. And even when he was on the left-hand side, there's slightly less penalty box entries uh, than the previous campaign, but still, uh, you know, still enough. And just across the, the board, again, we're just seeing him being able to get into the box and be effective. And so then the 22-23 campaign is when it all sort of changed. And you can see that it's, it's very much a, a case of where he's being utilised. Um, and, and, and that is what negatively impacted his ability to, to be involved. And of course, injuries as well. But um, key factor is he was being used on, on, on the left sometimes, on the right sometimes. Uh, but up until that point, it, it looks as if the right-hand side was where he was perhaps more effective. And then he was switched to basically just the left-hand side. When you look at the touch heat map, so 22-23 is a, a big 
orange splodge on the left hand side and just a smattering of touches and a smattering of orange and yellow on the right hand side and so the but the biggest thing here is just the penalty box entries massively down there's hardly any um, yellow in there at all I can see a slight drip drop but it's mostly just a sort of smattering of blue which means very few touches uh, in the penalty box huge drop off there um, and I mean to be perfectly honest I think the main thing is that Mount is a player who's very good at um, operating in lots of different places he, he can operate quite well with a free roll and so he, in those two seasons where he did very well he was able to contribute heavily in all areas uh, but then yeah in the most recent campaign it was like he just got put in one place and it wasn't working for him it limited his ability to get in the box um, of course other things around him weren't doing great either so you know there may have been some runs into the box that just weren't finding him for example but yeah, that's what happened. We just saw like a huge drop off there. Um, let's have a look at some of the stats um, behind this then. So 2020-21 campaign, 83.3% of his goals were in the box. 21-22, 81.8% of his goals were in the box. And then last season, just 33.3% of his goals came from uh, inside the box. Um, we see the same with the touches as well. Um, running through 2021-2022 and 22-23. So those three campaigns, 140 in the first of those, 145 in the second, just 62 in the second one. Um, shots inside the box. Uh, interestingly enough, there's some... <laughs> weird fluctuation there because 43.9% of his shots were in the box in 2020-21, 63% in 21-22 and down to 57.6 last time out um, and then shots outside the box 56.1%, then 36.8%, then 42.4% uh, uh, as well. And so broadly speaking, summing all that up because I appreciate that was a lot of numbers and we kind of already covered it already. Um, when this guy is given the the opportunity to to operate in his best areas, he's going to do very well. And when he is not able to get anywhere near the box, he is not going to be quite as effective for attacking returns. Uh, and 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 that in many ways is why he wasn't a useful asset uh, last season. So the question is, if he can be used in his best uh, way, is he going to get back in the box? And if he's playing in a better team, which arguably Man United are compared to Chelsea last season could see him get in the box more often as well, which of course is going to set off a little alarm bell at the back of your head because you're thinking, well, if he's getting involved in and around the box, what does that mean for Bruno? Well, we'll come on to that um, in a little bit. What's really interesting about Mount is actually what he does off the ball. Um, and it's actually probably one of my favorite things about him. It's one of my favorite things of watching him. Just forget FPL for one second. If I want to sit down, just watch a game uh, from a purist perspective and sit down and enjoy um, some some off the ball uh, intelligence and uh, pestering and Mason Mount is one of my favorite players uh, to watch you know he is this is one of the reasons why he's been very popular with all of his coaches basically everywhere you know Frank Lampard um, singing his praises at the very beginning Derby and then Chelsea you know he continued to be used uh, as extensively as possible when fit uh, even if they were going to put him in the wrong place uh, by Every Chelsea manager who's worked with, um, you know, Gareth Southgate has been a big fan of him as well. Uh, and another big fan is Eric Steele, former Man United coach who worked with Mount for the England under-19s as well, who said he knows the game. He's a very intelligent player. He can score goals. He's one of the most perfect tens I've seen. He was our front line, our maestro. He set the tone, good with both feet. Then he can see a pass, which is important, and he would go beyond the front man. He's great at nicking the ball which will suit Ten Hag. He is not a tackler. He nicks the ball off people. He's clever. And uh, those of you who know journalist Carl Anker, uh, you may know from, from Twitter, for example, or X, I think we're supposed to call it now, um, described him as a professional pest uh, for the way that he harasses opponents. And so that 
could be a bit of a clue as to where we may see him use at United. And, and, and as we've said, we have seen some pre-season games, which we'll come on to uh, in a little bit as well. And so it makes you wonder if perhaps maybe Ten Hag is, is going to be thinking about using him um, where he used Ericsson last season, who, of course, not getting any uh, younger and, uh, you know, sometimes struggles to finish matches. And so, you know, Mount obviously is, is, is a big upgrade fitness and youthful exuberance wise uh, on that. Um, he's a much more active player who, who is able to make those runs into the box as those touch heat maps showed us. So, you know, all of those things bode well for him doing well at United. Uh, but yes, we have to answer the question, though. What does that mean for the players currently? at the club and so continuing with some uh, extra extracts from the members area we've got some touch heat maps now for Casemiro Ericsson uh, and uh, Fernandez. Uh, have a look at those now so they they work largely as you'd expect you know Casemiro has uh, a nice coverage between his own box on the touch map and the halfway line and there is some involvement uh, in the opponent's half but predominantly uh, the, the the most condensed Splodges of uh, splodges of orange are in in that defensive role, which is what you'd expect. Ericsson uh, has a similar um, sort of uh, layout, but it's flipped <laughs> because the predominant of his touches are between hit the halfway line and the opponent's box. But there is still a lot of dropping deep going on there. Um, and then with Fernandez, not a tremendous amount of dropping deep, and just he pretty much just swarms the, both the left and right hand side of the attacking third um, as, a, as a sort of number 10 who likes to drift out wide and, and 10 from the left or 10 from the right. Um, he's very, very good at that. And so that's what we saw last season. And so it's where Mount is going to fit into that that we are intrigued by because, of course, Ericsson doesn't have many punting box entries here. Neither does Casemiro. Fernandez has a fair few. And Mount is very good at that. If you want to get the best out of Mount, you want to be able to have him getting into the box. And so is he going to push Fernandez into an Ericsson role, put Ericsson on the bench and then Mount play the Fernandez role? That's what some people are are wondering. So some of the options that present themselves uh, at United, you know, instead of a, a 4-2-3-1 where Casemiro and Ericsson sit behind Fernandez, it could instead be a 4-3-3 uh, where you've got two advanced number eights maybe. Um, as Fernandez naturally tends to lean left and Mount obviously did be did best on the right-hand side in that season at Chelsea. He could then lean right, and then you have two number eights. So it's a possible way they can both actually operate well in this team. Um, but, of course, it would involve a slight change of uh, shape as well. And the interesting thing about Mount is he can play on the wide areas as well. And we saw that sometimes at Chelsea. He could go out wide uh, if Rashford's going to go through the middle. Now, some of us don't necessarily think that's Rashford's best uh, place to be. Uh, but, you know, as things stand, United haven't quite secured the uh, the services of, of a new and recognised number nine, although there's rumblings here and there of a few names. You know, but it, even if they sign someone, it would only take an injury or two, or perhaps some rotation for Rashford to go for the middle. Maybe Mount gets out wide. But let's hear from the man himself. What 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 is what is what does Mason think of it, of where he could play at United? Well, he had a chat with the Man United website, obviously, when he signed, and he said, "I've always seen myself as a midfielder, a number eight that can obviously get forward, uh, attack, try and score goals, create goals, but also to be able to do the other side as well and defend and help the team where we're under pressure." I mean, in effect, that's that's the description of a number eight. So I sort of feel like a four-three-three, where you've got two number eights in Fernandez and Mount, would make some sense. But of course, we are very lucky. We are blessed with the fact that United have actually started playing their preseason games and Mount has already played three times. Um, before I go too further on all of this preseason uh, information we've, we've learned, 
mentioned earlier about the preseason minute spreadsheet. Make sure you're using that 23-24 season preseason guide on the Fantasy Football Scout website because, of course, that's going to tell you how many minutes every single player in the entire game has played in the preseason, what positions they've played in, how they rank compared to their uh, colleagues as well. And, uh, yeah, you will need to have signed up for your membership to be able to get full access to that. Um, there's a few things I can pull out, for example, at the moment in that Mason Mount is the joint third most utilised United player in preseason. Season. He's played 45 minutes in all three games so far. Now, you know, the likes of Fernandez and Casemiro have all only been involved in one game, Ericsson as well, which of course in no way means that those three aren't important players. You know, sometimes in preseason, you know, you see the biggest players perhaps miss the first one or two, um, you know, if they're not quite ready yet. Um, you don't want to risk them, for example. So we're not going to read too much into the lack of involvement from Bruno and Casemiro, for example, but I think it is very encouraging that Mount is already being used uh, quite extensively. 45 minutes in each match uh, so far, which is fairly solid. Um, managers tend to play, you know... Two eleven sometimes in the first two or three games, and then it's when you progress to the the bigger games that they start trying to treat that as close to a Premier League game as you can, with maybe making your subs after the hour mark, for example. So in uh, his first game, how did Mount get on? Well, he was used in a, as a number eight, although it was in a four two three one formation. So there's a little bit of um, liquidity about the the way that the team was uh, in and out of possession. Um, According to uh, our very own editorial team, who have been covering these games in extensive detail, according to Tom, uh, who was covering this one, he said that uh, Mason was buzzing around midfield um, and then was withdrawn at half-time, but played a part in some of United's best attacking moments and was involved in set pieces. So let's let's hear from the man himself about how he enjoyed that role. Uh, it was a 2-0 win against Leeds. Um, he said, I really like that role today, being able to drop in and get on the ball and start the play from a bit deeper. Ooh. That sounds good. That sounds good for Fernandez owners. But also having that freedom to be able to get forward and get in the box. I tried to make the runs in behind and help the press from the front. I had that chance just by starting off the press. And then uh, Ten Hag was also um, impressed with him as well. Um, asked about it. Asked about uh, Mount's debut, he said it was great the first time, but we could expect this level of performance. I think for him, it's just his first because he has so much skills, and I'm sure we will take so much joy from him, and he will continue to contribute to our performance. We need players who score free kicks. He will bring dynamism into our game, and that was one of our conclusions last season. His vision is to play the offensive, but also he wants to be multifunctional. He wants to be complete. When you're playing in midfield, you have to attack, but you also have to defend. We need to be more dynamic in the midfield department. I'm sure he will contribute to the success of United because he is a quality player. Now, from that debut and the way that things are being discussed there, there's a couple of key markers there that I think can ease our concerns about Fernandez because we've already talked about... Mason sort of coming out and saying, you know, enjoying that deeper side of things. You know, then we've got the manager talking about what he's going to contribute going forward, but being very, very explicit about what he also wants him to bring deeper than that in terms of defensive roles. Now, we know that Bruno is very good at that. I actually think he's one of the best uh, people at um, winning the ball back deeper in midfield and then setting the tone uh, in the Premier League, despite also being one of the best number 10s. He's, he's a very, very complete player. So he can do that. But we're not seeing quite so much of that um, uh, line being pushed about him. So that's encouraging. And it gets even better because the most recent United game, they beat Arsenal 2-0. 
It's no mean feat, of course, with uh, Arsenal uh, challenging for the title last year. There was some individual errors in that game, of course, and you know they are sort of rebuilding their midfield potentially this season with Rice coming in, Havertz played as well. And so Rice, Havertz and, and Erdegaard hadn't played together as a three before, obviously, and it sounds like they were a little bit rusty in terms of uh, getting that to work, which makes sense. That's what preseason's all about. So a few mitigating factors. We, shouldn't, we should read something into the fact they beat Arsenal, but not loads of things. The most important thing is what uh, happened when Fernandes and Mount took to the field at the same time together, which was nice. This was the first uh, chance we had to see that. Fernandes did start in a more advanced role than Mount, um, but um, there were still instances where they kind of swapped, and so then Mount pushed forward and Fernandes dropped deeper. Um, sounds somewhat similar to that suggestion that maybe they, they sort of both play a number eight role, um, but, for the, but with Fernandes perhaps a little bit further forward, uh, closer to that of a 10. So maybe we can call him an 8.5, which of course is his FBL price, which could be apt as well. So that's what we've seen so far. There's a couple more games to come for United that are you know, against a decent opposition. They've got Wrexham <laughs> coming up. Uh, they've got Real Madrid uh, and then Dortmund, which are big, big games. And uh, as you get closer to the start of the season, we, we hopefully will see a proper first team named, especially for those last two matches, which will, will tell us just exactly where we think people are going to play. So do keep an eye on that. Fantasy Football Scout is the best place to do that, of course. But bringing this all to a conclusion then, you know, what do we think are our final uh, learnings from what we've looked, we've looked back at what Mount's done in the past, we've looked back at where he's been used best, where he was used worst, uh, where he could fit into that United midfield. What does that mean for him, Fernandez, etc.? They were what we were after. So, um, first things first, I think that Mount is going to be very overlooked this season because of how bad his season was last time out. And the £7 million price actually means that maybe he could offer decent value this season if he can get back to what he did in the 21-22 campaign. Now, he um, arguably isn't uh, as, as good an asset on paper just yet compared to Fernandez and Rashford, so he's not, he's, not even, you know, he's not even the second best midfield asset at his club. Uh, going into the season, he's, he's the third best, really. Uh, but that price could be useful because if you want to double up on the United attack and you haven't quite got enough money, I wouldn't be too surprised if there's a situation where fairly early on Mount does well and you go for Rashford and Mount or Fernandez and Mount versus Fernandez and Rashford, which is, you know, that's a big, big saving. So we could see that. His price point is also quite useful as well uh, because Sterling, Kuliszewski, Bowen and Burmo, Brighton midfielders as well, all in the same category. So you could maybe start with the Brighton one um, and then move on to Mount once you've had a chance to see him get involved, uh, for example, or go the other way around. If you've got an inkling about Mount, you can maybe switch to um, a Chelsea midfielder or a uh, Spurs midfielder because their fixtures obviously get better from game week three, for example. Um, Bowen, his fixtures take a while to get good, so maybe you could give Mount the first nine. In all likelihood, you're probably not going to go for Mount from the beginning, but I do think you should keep an eye on those preseason games just to see uh, how involved he gets. The set pieces, we've touched on that briefly, are important. Now, him coming to the club probably isn't going to damage Fernandez's role in that because he was already sharing set pieces uh, with a few others, such as Luke Shaw, for example. Um, you know, Mount is probably not going to be able to get all of them, but he's already had an involvement in some. So if he does very, very well, maybe he can wrestle them away. Um, you know, to so keep an eye on that as well. The knock-on effect on Fernandez then, uh, where we will finish is that what we can see so far is it's not hampering Fernandez's ability to uh, 
play more advanced. In fact, you could even argue that having them both in the midfield and the fact that they're both pretty good at long long distance shots uh, and the fact that they're both, when playing number eight roles, very good at making penalty box entries, they could actually actually make each other better because Mount is, is a very creative player. So when Fernandez makes those runs into the box, he's going to have better service from his fellow number eight. Vice versa, you know, um, Mount is a good finisher when he's put in the right positions. You know, Fernandez is going to thread a ball through for Mount breaking into the box. You know, then it's it's an enhancement in terms of the finishing ability of what's around Fernandez. So it maybe boosts his assist potential as well. Famously, he was an incredible creator last season, especially in the last 12 game weeks. 14 big chances created. That was double the amount created by those who were joint third for that stat. It's just nuts. So he's a great creator. We know that already. And having Mount around um, and what we know he can do in front of goal could actually improve that. So I'm not too worried, if I'm honest, about what Mount means for Fernandez. And I'm actually cautiously optimistic that we can still see Fernandez looking pretty good, maybe even better because of having Mount around. And I wouldn't be too surprised if we maybe see a double up of Mount and another Man United midfielder uh, this season if um, we can get Mount playing his best football. I mentioned earlier, of course, that Eric Ten Hag, um, you know, had noticed how well he'd done in Holland. Apparently, he uh, he's reported as trying to sign Mount for Ajax some years ago. And so he's clearly a player that he loves uh, when he's at his best. And so we can be fairly confident that he is going to make sure that he gets the best out of him because it's a player he's wanted to work with for some time. So I think that things are looking good for him. I think they're looking good for Fernandez uh, as well. And so, uh, yeah, only time will tell. We need a bit more answers from those preseason games. But of course, you will get all that information with us on Fantasy Football Scout. So don't miss miss a thing of course sign up for that membership as well save up to 30 percent of the preseason prices uh, so that you, uh, you you don't even need to wait for me to tell you what's happening in those preseason games because you, you'll know yourself as i said you don't need me that's what membership's for and of course don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the Fantasy football scout youtube channel and hit that bell notification so that you do not miss a thing this preseason and so with that i will leave you fine folks to the rest of your fbl tinkering and i will see you next time